everyone. Welcome to another episode of Deep Gospel. I am really excited um, because we are in what's called year B in the lectionary. Uh, we actually are kind of toggling back and forth between Mark's gospel and John's gospel. So today we're actually going to venture over to John and hear a little bit more about Jesus' ministry and story as we also continue our Lenten journey together. Um, but before we hop right into scripture, let's do some introductions with everyone on the call. So um, if you've been watching Deep Gospel for a while, then you know me, your host, uh, Haley, the Associate Director at Campus City Wesley. Um, we also have a frequent friend in Ty. Would you introduce yourself, Ty? Hi, everyone. My name's Ty, and I'm the Assistant Director of Operations for CCW. Happy to be here. And then we also have Maddie. I'm so excited. Um, she is the reason that we are all um, up early recording because she has the gift of getting us up early and putting some pep in our step in her work as a barista. Um, Maddie, will you introduce yourself briefly? <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I'm Maddie. <laughs> I just began working at the Kook. Yeah, so come by 312 for coffee. I will try my best to make it, but I only just started shots. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> we did um, on our at our Ash Wednesday service in St. Augustine, um, the, the leadership team went to the kook after we were done. And um, Brooke was like, do y'all know Maddie? And we were like, is she new? And he was like, yes. And then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, we know her, but they might not know your name yet. Oh my gosh, funny. Was it downtown? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, and then our guest today is Justin, who is uh, the youth director over at Memorial UMC. So we did have Pastor Carrie from Memorial over, um, but we're really excited to get to meet Justin. So um, if you'll introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Justin Ramundi. Um, been at Memorial for like four and a half months, so not very long at all. Uh, we're in Singapore, me and my family were in Singapore for the last four years. And then we were in Jacksonville for four years before that, or for 12 years before that. Um, and so been around this area, been plugged in with CCW for a while when it was just like JU and when it was just at uh, Crossroads Church actually too. Uh, so known Derek for a long time and uh, excited to be here to get to talk with all of you. That's so exciting. And I'm sure you have lots of wonderful things to share, but also excited for you. Um, working with those youth. So I'm um, yeah, just lots of great um, insights. Uh, I am going to ground us in some prayer and then I'll have Maddie read our scripture for us. So if you'll pray with me. God, I just give you thanks for this time that we can open your word and journey with you um, and deepen just our friendship with Jesus in this time um, as we walk through the text and walk through his life on earth. And I just pray that we would be able to sense um, the ways that you're showing up in the lives of uh, each one of us uh, in this text. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. Maddie. All righty. When it was almost time for the 
the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get out, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will rise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Thanks, Maddie. Uh, what a rich text to wrestle with. Um, we always start with the things that we like to the, the ways we really connect. Um, and so Ty, would you uh, share your insights? Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> it's a common thread for me as a, a frequent member of Deep Gospel, but simplicity just really sits well with me when it comes to passages. Um, and simplicity in the sense that I know where I can go deep uh, with, with this passage. And I know where I can, like, I know my depth with certain things if I want to dig into this passage. And I know there's one thing that I definitely thought of that I liked, but I really like it because it's my challenge that I see for my personal life. Um, so in a sense, the overall simplicity of the text and knowing where things are laid out this time around, especially because it's seasonal too. And we're, we're in the third Sunday of Lent coming up too. Uh, and that helps me put things in place and put them in my like visual timeline and map really well. Um, and, and again, it's a story I've heard as a kid, like this is one of the earlier stories you hear when you grow up in Sunday school too. So I have all the visuals for this. And I really like that this point in time now, I'm going to either be able to remain, like keep those visuals that I have as a, as a child, or I'm actually going to put new lenses on to see those visuals I had for as a child and watch them change and where I come to with them now. So that's what I really like about this passage. Yeah, I appreciate that insight because I think there's there's a lot of wealth to the face value of this text that there are several passages where sometimes I feel like we don't really take Jesus seriously at that surface level that we use interpretation to kind of like weasel our way out of like, I don't know, selling everything we have and giving it to the poor or, you know, things like that. And this one, there's, there's a lot there at the surface with Jesus, what Jesus has to say about, have you turned my house into a marketplace in, um, in Maddie's version? So, um, Justin, what did you like? Yeah, so I really like um, that this kind of shatters our perception of Jesus as always just being kind of like peace, you know, like just kind of thinking about um, Jesus as a, a person who had the full range of emotions and seeing him as like the human side of Jesus, like really being upset and distraught with how things have become. Um, and, and it being kind of like a, a really important holiday. I mean, similar to Lent or Easter, like 
it's basically like this huge Super Bowl Sunday type day that's going on. And, and Jesus is really upset with the way that things are going. Um, and he, he doesn't just sit there and say, you know, like, maybe we can kind of covertly change things, but he actually steps out and does something um, to, to actually voice what's going on, like to voice what he believes. Um, and so I, I like to see, I like, I like this passage because it shows, it's not a very common side of Jesus, but it shows a different side of Jesus than we typically are reading in the scriptures. Yeah, I, I think that my, my like is almost exactly the same as yours, Justin, as far as the full range of emotions. I think it also gives legitimacy to a time and a place for showing those emotions that I think I've often felt like, not that anger is a bad emotion, but that showing anger could be a bad thing. And yet, um, I mean, this is a really powerful protest and display of anger in, in a way that like we now deem as holy somehow so um what are your thoughts about that so i was i was going to say I, I feel very similar obviously we've almost said the same exact thing um but I, I feel like especially during this time you know where we've had lockdowns and people feeling isolated and all that kind of stuff that this passage actually kind of gives us a little bit of a like if we understand why we're upset and why we're angry it is right for us to actually speak about that you know like if we if we can process that and say hey this is what's really making me upset if we have the ability to actually speak that and to go through that it's really important for us to do that um and oftentimes we try to push it down and you know like just kind of hide it and pretend like it doesn't exist but see even even christ saying like hey there's a place for you to actually speak that um i don't know about making you know whips and and letting everybody you know doing that type of stuff to people but um I think there, there's also a room for us to wrestle with that, you know, and we, as we talk about the challenge of that, to wrestle with, you know, how did he approach doing that and what does that look like for today? But Yeah, I do think that um, finding a place, you know, finding that role in uh, speaking out against injustice, this is a really powerful example. And then, um, during the season, we're also kind of journeying through a conversation around lament and the ways that our lament actually like give language around like communal issues to which we can say, okay, well, we could sit here and, and pray about it and be mad at God. Um, but if we're really like honest, there's things that we could also do. Um, and that perhaps when we're saying like, God, where are you? Like God might be saying right back, well, like, where are y'all? <laughs> like um, that, you know, there is some, some agency in some of those conversations. So, yeah, I just, I definitely get on board with um, the fact that Jesus has this ability to speak out um, in this moment. So. Maddie, what did you like? I think specifically, like, just the verse, um, zeal for your house consumes me, was, like, extra potent to me, 
just because like I think there's something that's like so genuine about that and like about that like you guys were saying the anger response that it's like I don't know I, I just think that like especially the term zeal and then it's like consuming him it's like that wasn't just like for show or to like kind of stick it to the man or anything it was just like I'm so passionate about like my my father's house that I don't know it's just a very genuine anger and it's cool to see that Jesus was like in touch with his emotions in that way and was like able to express them like you were saying and I'm also intrigued by um the whole whip situation because <laughs> while it is very intense um I also feel like the stakes were pretty low like there are there weren't any consequences for the people which is like interesting to me like he like ran them all out and like yelled but there was no fallout or like nothing else came about it like they weren't punished or anything so two interesting things about your like one is that that phrase zeal for your house consumes me. Um, depending on your translation, sometimes it might be in italics or something to kind of give a hint that Jesus is quoting scripture here, that Jesus is actually taking us back to the Psalms and using the language of scripture um, to explain what he's experiencing. And so I do think there's also something really deep in the fact that this um, righteous anger is coming from someone who has studied and been in relationship with like scripture and God in a way that this anger is informed out of, I know the way creation is supposed to be. And I know the way we're supposed to treat others. And this is not what I'm seeing. And this is where the zeal is coming from. And I think that's a really um, important thing to kind of point out. Um, it's also interesting because there was recently this um, clip of a, of a conversation from, um, I don't know, do any of y'all watch Good Mythical Morning? It's like a YouTube channel. It's very popular and most of it is like just really silly, like what's the best Halloween candy or like can you make like pot pies out of any type of food kind of thing. Anyway, the point is um, they're just these YouTube guys, but they were having this conversation around young people leaving the church. And they specifically said that they feel like a lot of the reason why young people leave the church is not because they don't care about scripture and not because they like are done with Jesus. It's because they've actually been taught all of these things that Jesus has taught and then they feel like they don't see it in the church. Um, and they're not the only ones who have said this, but the fact that it's kind of popular right now because it was a recent conversation. Um, I just feel like this is one of those texts in particular that we read and we hear this injustice happening. Um, and I think this is a conversation we have often in CCW about um, are we going to take Jesus' words and action? Are we gonna have the same kind of zeal um, so that we can focus on reconstruction and bring about that kingdom ourselves as well. So, um, that doesn't mean that it's easy. It means that we often have a lot of challenges and a lot of struggles. Um, 
with the text, with what's going on. Justin, I'd love to hear some things that challenged you. Yeah, so um, like I said, I, I really do like this passage because I think it's the one that if you're just reading the scriptures, oftentimes you just are like, that's weird. Let me keep moving on so I don't have to think about that too much. Um, but I, I, think, I think one of the things that is very challenging is, I mean, just to give a little bit of context, this is Passover. So they estimate that there's like 2 million people have come. So it's like a super crowded space. Um, and basically what happens is, which if, if you study this passage, you start to see what's going on because this, is, this passage is in a, um, another gospel as well, is um, basically what's going on is only the people who are wealthy are able to come and buy the sacrifices because they're so expensive. And so the people who are poor, who are really in need of coming to the temple to have their sins forgiven, just aren't able to get in to essentially what we'd say is the church. Um, so only the select few, only the wealthy are the ones who are going to church. Um, and I think that is something that's super challenging for, for me. Um, and I think it should be for, for churches in general to, is to look and to see who is coming to the church, um, who is actually entering in to these spaces of worship. Is it very similar to this where like the wealthy are coming in um, because they feel very comfortable there? Um, and so we've made it very uncomfortable for people who are actually really broken to come into these spaces, or are we finding that those people are staying outside of the, of the church? Are we finding that those people feel uncomfortable inside of these spaces um, that are designed for people to come to, to find reconciliation, to find, uh, to find Christ? Um, and so I think that's one of the challenging things for me um, to see that and to think about that in, in a local level as well, just to say, okay, who, who are these people who are kind of being pushed outside? Um, because it's clear that Jesus is not happy with that happening. Uh, I mean, that's the crux of what he's confronting here is like, hey, the people that need this are not able to receive it. And that's, that's, that's what's wrong here. There's something seriously wrong here. Um, and that's what's wrong. Yeah, I really appreciate you unpacking um, that context. I think it's one of those things I've heard and sometimes I forget that we don't all like, aren't all steeped in like this picture of what's happening and what's going on. Um, and I love that conversation around what is happening in our local churches that might be similar because sometimes it's not even it's not even like the way people are perceived. Um, but sometimes I also think it's just the way that our society is set up that we might plant a church in an area that is nicer, is harder to get to for some people. Um, you know, there's just, there's lots of things at play and radical hospitality might mean that we're willing to plan a fresh, fresh expression somewhere where the people actually are. Um, I know there was a church in our area that spent some time at the bus stop over Lent with donuts and just being where um, people were at, you know, early in the morning trying to get to work. Um, different, different things like that, different ideas for us to be able to kind of close that gap, um, which is just really important. I think my idea is, or my challenge is kind of similar, but in this kind of second part of the text, 
when they're asking for a sign and Jesus says, destroy the temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. And he, you know, the, the writer kind of gives us this backstory. It's not really the physical building, it's Jesus' body. And yet there is a sense that Jesus is dismantling the entire structure of the church and the relationship with God, uh, you know, within his own body and kind of breaking down that, um, the way that people can connect and creating sacred space uh, just through knowledge and encounter with him. In the same way, I think sometimes the church can create structures where it feel like, feels like the way to get to God is to go through our membership class, go to a Sunday school, be in worship once a week, um, you know, and do these different things. And we've, we've set up this structure over the last about 500 years where um, church looks the way it looks now. And you come to the church for, for preaching and you come to the church for, you know, catechesis and things like that. And I just wonder if we're in a moment where we really need to tear down a lot of those notions so that we can rebuild them in ways that are actually going to speak to what people need now. Um, and so I mentioned Fresh Expressions briefly, but I think Fresh Expressions is an opportunity to do that where we, we're building up or planting things where they actually need to be, um, where, where we're rediscussing, you know, is a has a Bible study been as effective as we actually need it to be? Um, because a lot of times it's it can feel very passive and doesn't actually change like how we interact with the world on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and so I feel, the thing that challenges me is I feel the fear from the Jewish leaders of like, I've invested so much time in this. I'm not going to just tear it down to see what you're going to do about it. Um, and just wondering if sometimes I don't trust God enough to take the type of risks um, that need to be taken of feeling like I've invested so much time in doing things a certain way. And I might need to tear them down and just see what God has to offer in the midst of that, like, letting go of those expectations. So that was my challenge. Um, Maddie, what about you? Well, that was really good. I liked that a lot. Um, yeah, I feel like anytime I've heard this, like scripture spoken of, like all I can remember, I guess, of like what was said was just the character of Jesus. And it's like, look, Jesus like flipped tables and he was really radical. And like, I feel like that's always like the, just like the focus of the message but I've always just been like why is it such a big deal to sell things in the temple <laughs> you know like nobody's ever explained that to me and I'm like I mean I guess like maybe it makes sense because it's taking attention away from God or like I don't know that's always like been the challenge to me is like why is it such a big deal so I'm really thankful for your context Justin and for explaining that um 
because that makes a lot more sense now but then also like when I'm reading that I like to think of like so what can I do about it now and I think the challenge for me is like yeah just like as you were saying ways that we contribute to like church being just either more convenient or less accessible for like more convenient for people who have wealth and live in certain areas or just like whatever factors um and like I don't know like I guess the challenge is ways that I can I can put my energies towards focusing on that and bringing about change thanks Maddie um Justin did you want to add anything to that Um, well, I was, I, you, you pointed out, like we talked a little bit about the context and how the wealthy essentially were only, um, were only, only allowed to be in, um, it, it, it was much worse than, than kind of just like a quick synopsis that I gave. I mean, we're talking about like, you couldn't bring a dove from off the street in, even if it was the right kind and all, like you had to buy it in the temple courts, you had to go through their exchange, exchange process. It just made it like, 10 to 20 times more expensive than what it should have been, um, if not even more than that. And so it just eliminated people that were broken. Like it just eliminated people that were poor, eliminated people, um, which is just, it's like sad to realize that, but then it begins, like you begin to see why anger, why anger is an important emotion that we have that God's given us. Um, it, like when things are not right, like we should get angry. Like it, it makes sense for us to get angry. Um, and if we don't have an outlet for that, if we don't ever release that, we find that we're very unhealthy people. Um, and so I, I just, I, I'm just, I, I'm over and over again, I think about like how, and sorry, Ty, if this was like your thing, I, I was going to let you go first. And, uh, but if this was like your, this is, this is my challenge, but I just feel like th that emotion of anger is, is what oftentimes we pretend we don't have or we hide. Um, and so in, instead of that, we see kind of a healthy way of like, we need some type of outlet for it. We need to know how to, how to release it. And we need to know how to articulate what is actually going on, um, which Jesus did those things, like found an outlet, figured out how to say like, this is what's wrong. Um, and it's a little bit harder for us to see that because context is so hard sometimes for us to get. But once you get the context, you're like, oh, he was actually communicating. This is wrong. And this is why it's wrong. Um, and so with, with us, yeah, with justice issues or even like with an issue with your friend or whatever it is, like to be able to speak what is, what's rubbing you wrong. And even if, even if that communicate, maybe even if it's not right, like even if your anger is not in a right sense, usually if you have a conversation with somebody about it, it at least sets things right. You know, like it allows that person to say, this is why I did that or whatever the issue is. And so just when I'm thinking about this, this topic of anger, I think oftentimes, and I talk to teenagers a lot, which, you know, they obviously have issues with anger and trying to push them down. If they get angry at their parents, not wanting to talk to their parents about it, but, um, but creating like that healthy way of releasing it and, and communicating it is so important, um, which we see as an example of Jesus doing that. Thanks, Justin. Um, Ty, why don't you add your challenge? Um, yeah, I, <clears throat> there's practical elements to my challenge, um, and I'm definitely not pulling us back into, like, intentionally pulling us out of the conversation you guys are having, um, 
But the, the part that challenges me the most is where I place myself in the story because I do that with every passage that, that we talk about. Uh, and so which person am I watching Jesus tear down the temple and tear up the temple? Am I the wealthy person? Am I the broken and poor person? Um, but the, 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 that leads to different directions depending on which, which person I identify with. And that I still don't know too. Um, but practically speaking, I take words literally. So when Jesus says he's going to rebuild the temple in three days, I just like the other people who are thinking, how are you going to do that when it took us 46 years? That's my default in any, in just words in general and what people say. And the personal thing that I, I had uh, touched on in the beginning is this part where I'm saying in conversations where I speak to people and talk with people um, and, and listen to them, I realize I take their words literally all the time and mostly it hits the mark, but they're, they're like the one or two times where it's, it's completely off the target and I miss exactly what they meant by those words because I took them literally. Um, and in all contexts, like I'm not, not a, a, a bad person for taking them literally, like I can totally see how I did that. And, and totally reasonable too, but understanding at the same time, it's like, how can I, a person who thinks literally rewrite my DNA in a sense to listen to people who are really trying to speak more than just literally, who are really trying to, like I said about myself, rewriting DNA, almost rewriting DNA for myself as well. Um, and so I know that, that that may be how they communicate and what they have to do and what they have in their tool bag to say. Um, but I, at the same time, know that there's something that I can't do. And the other person knows that they can't do, yet there's a bigger thing that we're trying to like get to on the same page. And the challenge is finding that way because we're stuck in a scenario where we know that there's something that we can't do that's out of our control. Um, which I believe that is the same thing that Jesus does time and time again throughout out scripture. And it's like, why the hell do you come in here and tell us things and make us aware of things that we know we can't do and, and speak them in a way to us where what you say really does mean one thing because we grew up that way, understanding it. And now we're in a place where I almost have to try to sp split my brain in two and implode in a sense to figure out where it lands and see, and see what the new direction is for, for this stuff. It's, it's, it's more of a personal challenge than it is like, outside of scripture than it is uh, within the scripture in itself and all the context driven because the context for my challenge comes from my life uh, and, and who I interact with on a day-to-day -day basis too. Um, but that's where really where I see this scripture reminding me of the things I'm doing with other people. I could see, I mean, I, I hear you saying it's personal and yet I can see that it can be something 
that challenges all of us in a certain way. Um, one, because I think we also have to remember that we see time and time again in scripture that there's a, there's a way Jesus speaks to where the, the spirit has to be at work in, within the revelation of what he's saying, that there's um, not like he's necessarily speaking in code, but that he's speaking to particular people sometimes. Um, and I also think it, it brought up another challenge I had, which is like, Jesus is so smart <laughs> in the way that he's communicating. I mean, he says temple, because if he were to say, I'm going to die and be resurrected in the middle, like in front of these religious leaders at that moment, like then he would be arrested right away. You know, like there's a lot also at play with like power dynamics and what's happening. And what I also wondered in this moment is how much of Jesus reaction, which I think I have commonly read as more of like a reactionary, I walked in and didn't realize it was as bad as it was. And so this is how I handled it. Um, how much of this was actually more planned that Jesus knew what was going on, had heard about this and kind of planned, Hey, we're going to walk in with a purpose. Here's how, like telling the disciples, here's how I need y'all to support me. Here's where I need y'all to be. Let's be prepared for every scenario. Like we don't get those verses of like, whether or not there was a, a game plan walking in. And I do think that a lot of times in the action of protest, that there is a lot of conversation that happens and the, sometimes the world just sees it happening and assumes that it was just a moment without realizing that there was a lot of conversation about what's right, what power do we have? Where's the right time? What, how can we make an impact? That's um, just an, another question I had, which I wonder if it kind of connects with your question a little bit about what is Jesus really saying and how do I listen to like that full scope? Um, Justin, why don't you add to that? Yeah, so Ty, when what you were saying, I feel like when you ask people, how are you today? Like you really, if you listen to what they say, you can really kind of get it. Where at one point, you know, people would just be like, oh yeah, good. But now today, because of the midst of everything that's going on, if somebody's like, eh, or fine, you know, like you totally, it gives you an opportunity to be like, oh, what do you mean? You know, and where at, at other times, maybe you wouldn't have the opportunity. And I think that's kind of along the lines of what you're talking about is that like, if you're really listening to people today, you hear a lot more than what they're just saying, um, which is, is kind of what, you know, what you're talking about with Jesus. Like you, you start to see like Jesus is very intentional and he's really, he's listening very well, but he's also like, he is, he's very strategic in what he says and how he says it um, because, because of who Jesus is, you know, and, and that we have an opportunity to do that right now as well. So I think that's, that is, that's a great challenge to like really start to listen to what people are saying and maybe dig a little bit deeper. Well, we move from these challenges to the place where we see gospel. And so for me, I'll just say that this passage holds a lot of 
hint to what I would call the capital G gospel in um, Jesus foretelling of death and resurrection. And I think what we see in this moment is the way that Jesus body um, and Jesus sacrifice gets tied up with the brokenness of the world in like injustice in things that are happening um, in which it can be redeemed. And so we see this kind of capital G gospel of the way that Jesus death and resurrection is leading to uh, a restoration of all things. Um, and so I did want to point that out. Uh, oftentimes I see other pieces of gospel, but this is just a really good example for us of where we see um, a larger story. Maddie, what about you? What was your gospel implication? I, mine was like right along with that, but just that, like, I think how, how beautiful it is that Jesus kind of invites us into that whole, like, I don't know, I think that's the overarching theme is just that like things inevitably get destroyed and ruined and corrupted, but like Jesus is the progress forward. And I think that it's all part of something that's like getting better and moving towards redemption and towards beauty. And um, I just think that it's cool that we kind of get invited into that in the sense of like, it is his body and, and he's included us in that whole progress forward in the redemption of all things. Thanks, Maddie. Uh, Ty, what was your gospel implication? Um, it stems from the challenge because in trying to figure out what Jesus is saying and me being on the other side of it, you know, years later, can see where churches are today and where they used to be according to the scripture and thinking to myself, if Jesus is communicating to the people at that time to rework what it means uh, or what, what, what the definition is for temple it's not the actual walls of the building. It's, it's the body. Um, and we are people who are tangible people who need something tangible to understand Jesus uh, or, or a, a, a concept and a person that we have never seen uh, in today's age. And who knows if we will, but the way we arrived in building the temple today is different than it was before. And I believe that Jesus coming in to tear down the temple that way was reworking our new definition on how we arrived to build the temple today. And it looks more like community centers. It looks more like uh, open door policy. It looks more like there's something going on every night of the week rather than it did exclusive people come to this very fancy place with a lot of money put into it that has sacred uh, parts of it. That's not really it. It should look like a home. It look, should look like white painted walls and windows on doors and sunlight and people coming in and in and out and using it. Uh, so I think that in a nutshell is the implication that Jesus is reworking our definition in the scripture and being on the other side of it today, understanding that maybe at that point in time, Jesus was trying to say to us, we need to arrive differently when you build another temple. Thanks, Ty. I just hear so much in that, in that invitation for us and how we show up. 
Um, Justin, what was your gospel implication? Yeah, so I kind of want to do something super deep, but in all honesty, like it's just the simplicity of like everybody is welcome. Um, that that Jesus is really like fighting for everybody to be part of this. Um, and so the gospel implication is that what Christ has done is He's done for all. Um, and I just I'm I'm always as I read this passage, I'm always just kind of shocked at like how Jesus chooses to take up that burden of like those who are kind of outside of the temple and and the ones that are in the temple aren't even doing they're not even like the ones worshiping god like they're selling stuff they're not even uh the ones who are engaged with god and so uh so the challenge just the gospel implication for me is really that is like to see that the gospel is available and accessible to all people um and and that's what christ was doing like let me make sure that those who are broken can see that the gospel is for them that christ is that i have come for them as well Thanks, Justin. Yeah, sometimes the simple gospel is the most powerful. Sometimes we overcomplicate it. So I really appreciate that. Um, thank you all for your conversation, your perspective, your discussion and openness. Um, I'm going to ask Justin to just close us in a word of prayer. Yeah, let's pray together. God, we thank you so much uh, for the scriptures that show us um, not only who you are, but they show us where we can be headed. Um, they help to pave that way of where we should be going. Um, I pray that just as, as we think about this passage, as we think about um, some of that anger and the righteous anger that we would begin to process our own. Um, and, and what are the things that are rubbing us the wrong way and how do we begin to communicate that and do that well? Um, I would pray that as, as we begin to think about the church that we would begin to dismantle the things that, um, that we've invested in that are religious, but they're not of you that we would look to find those things in our life. We look to find those things in our church so that we can help to pave a clear way for all people to come and have access directly to you, um, the God who, who stands up for those who are outside of the temple, um, the God that stands up for those who, who uh, and, and, and pushes back against those who are in the temple but not worshiping. Um, and so we, we pray just as, as we close out our time together that we would continue to look at our own lives to see where the gospel has not taken root, but also we would begin to look at our world and see where the gospel is not being, uh, being given an equal chance. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for um, all being here for your openness. I hope that this conversation has kind of opened up um, some thoughts for uh, those of you who have joined us as well. And I just pray blessings on y'all as you go about your weeks. So bye, friends. Thank you for listening to this episode of Deep Gospel. Deep Gospel is a weekly conversation and ministry of Campus to City Wesley, a multi-site campus ministry serving college-age young adults in Northeast Florida. To find out more about worship gatherings and other ways to connect to our community, check out campustocity.org. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon supporter. Until next time, blessings.